All right. We got the kids slash me a Nintendo Switch for Christmas. And we got this game. It is. It's pretty awesome. We got this game called Mario Odyssey, I think. It was the most popular one. Super, super Mario Odyssey. Thank you. It's even better. And it's pretty cool because it has some little nostalgia thrown into it, so it's kind of 3D, and then it throws you back in the old 2D Super Mario and jumping, getting coins and stuff. And uh, I really love the game, and I, I'm a bit of an overthinker sometimes, and so I look deeper into the game and how they designed it and everything. And what I found was I can play the game, and it's challenging, which I'm not like a super great gamer or anything. Um, but the kids have a little bit harder time on some places, and the game adapts to whoever's playing it. So if you take too long, it'll start giving you hints. So it has these little people that'll give you hints and different things like that. And I found it very interesting um, that it did that. And it, it kind of reminded me of the way that God treats us in that some of us get things better than other things do, right? We, we kind of we see things much clearer than other people, and some of us take a little bit longer, and God will give us hints <laughs> and kind of show us the direction that we need to go. And I, I love that about God because in relationship, that's how, we, how he treats us, and it's how we should treat other people. Um, because different people are in different stages in life, and different people have dealt with different things. And so when you're experiencing relationship, not just um, through some kind of outward constraint or rule-based system, when you're in relationship with people, you can adjust and adapt to them because you care for them. Does that make sense? And so I found it interesting in this game that I was like, it's, it's neat that I could play the game, and if I you know, die or whatever, I give it to one of my kids, and they play because they make me. And, and so I let them play, and I share, and then they play, uh, and they can do all the same things I do. It just takes them longer. It may take them a different way, but they'll still do all the little things inside. So I found it really interesting. Um, but one of the things about the game is you can, and it was a hint that it gave me, is you can hit one of the buttons on the controller, and it, like, zooms out and gives you a map view of everything. And it tells you where, like, the goals are and where you're supposed to be going and, and a lot more information from, from a, a, a different perspective, right, like an above view and so that's what I kind of want to focus on here. I'm not going to just kind of do kind of an expository, like go through scripture by scripture and break everything down. I'm going to read four of seven different stories here, if I can get through it, that are just straight scripture. I mean, I'm going to read straight through them, and then we're going to talk about them. I've got a few points, and then I'd like to get into a small discussion maybe at the end where we can kind of go back and forth. So we've done that a few times, and I've really enjoyed it, and especially I was thinking we would have kind of a small crew here anyway. Not that it matters. We would do it anyway. Um, but it'd be really neat that we can kind of do a little bit of dialogue with it too as well. But there, it, let me start with this, even though I've already started. Let me continue starting with this. Uh, several weeks back, uh, a good friend of mine that I've known for years, uh, we had a really good and deep discussion about healing and how that works and how that looks. And it came up from a recent tragedy where some good friends of ours and a relative of his lost their child um, and he lived for a few days in the hospital and they prayed and petitioned for him to live and he didn't and the question that was asked was and was a genuine question was because he heard the mother crying out for her son so the question was asked uh, if, if, if that didn't move God what will and it was a good genuine heartfelt question and it's haunted me since he told me um, so I've been I've tried to get away from it to teach other things, but I keep coming back to, to just the whole idea of healing because we've seen the miraculous. We've seen people physically healed, um, and then we've seen people that weren't. And that's something hard to deal with as a Christian. Is it, is it not? Have, have any of you struggled with that? 
I've struggled with that. And, and I thought that I had it, as usual, I thought I had it all figured out until we have a, a conversation in relationship with a friend. And he asked me this, and I can't get it out of my head. And so as I began to look through healing and scriptures and all these different things, I found some interesting things, and that's what I want to talk about today. And I'm not going to promise you that I have all the answers, because I don't think that I do. But I think I I've, I've, may have discovered something very interesting that hopefully will help us all. Um, so, there were seven different times that Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And it's interesting, the number seven is perfection. There's lots of things you can do with that. But he did it seven different times on the Sabbath, which was the seventh day. Um, all of those times, people were upset about it. Uh, the Pharisees didn't want you working on the Sabbath. They considered that work, and they didn't like it. And so we're going to go through just four of those for time purposes, because uh, we know that these seats are only comfortable for a certain amount of time. So uh, we're in Luke 1310 is where we're going to start. It's when Jesus heals a crippled woman on the Sabbath. And I'm going to read straight through, so if, if I'll try to slow down in between so you can kind of go through scriptures. I cheat and print them all out so I can go right down. Um, Luke 13.10 says, uh, On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. Do you believe that? <laughs> Verse 15, the Lord answered him, you hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all the, op all the opponents were hum humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. All right, that's the first instance uh, Jesus heals on the Sabbath. Uh, we'll jump down. We're still in Luke, Luke 14, 1. <clears throat> it says, One Sabbath, when, when Jesus went to eat at the house of, the, of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. <laughs> I think it's funny he was on watch. They were watching him. Uh, there in front of him was a man suffering from abdominal swelling of his, of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? I find this interesting. Like he's going around the room going, hey. <laughs> Is it okay to heal on the Sabbath or not? And so, so they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, if, if, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. John 9, 9 is the next instance. It says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, <laughs> that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, so the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he just looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. <laughs> it's me. 
How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud (laughs) and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Salome and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. I love how like real the Bible is, even detailed down to this guy's just as genuine as anybody. I don't know. I don't know where he went. Verse 13. So they brought the Pharisees, uh, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. <laughs> no, no. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. <laughs> he put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. It's crazy. We, we look at it now, and it's like, really? But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have, you, <laughs> what have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he's a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received, received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he's our son, the parents said, and we know he was born blind. <laughs> but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. <laughs> now, yeah, they were afraid. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. <laughs> that was why his parents said, he's of age. Ask him. All we can say is he's our son, he was blind, and now he sees. That's all I know. So verse 24, a second time they summoned the man. I love this. This is so good. Second time uh, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth. They said, we know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know. (laughs) One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. (laughs) Then they asked him, "What, (laughs) what did he do to you? (laughs) What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already. <laughs> Why don't you listen? <clears throat> do, why do you want it to hear it again? Do you want to become one of his disciples too? <laughs> I love that. What do you want to become his disciple too? How many times do I have to tell you? This is what happened. <laughs> then they hurled insults at him and said, you're, you're this fellow's disciples. We're disciples of Moses. We know what God's we know what God spoke from Moses, to Moses, but as far as this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We, we know that God doesn't listen to sinners. He, he listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a, of a man born blind. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. At the very beginning of this, he said, nobody sinned. That wasn't the issue. And they're like, we're just going to go back to what we know. You sinned. Somebody sinned. <laughs> you were steeped at birth. What are you, who are you to tell us? He's like, I see now. This happened. This is a reality. It's, it's as simple as him repeating himself over and over so that they can see that something actually happened there. Do you get that? They kept asking the same questions, and he kept giving, this, giving. He kept giving the same answers. The thing I really pull from this is there are lots of questions that we ask, but what we do is we come up with lots of different answers sometimes, and the answer is usually always the same. We, we tend to make a simple message complicated, but God through Jesus makes a complicated message, message simple. 
He doesn't complicate. He doesn't make it to where we can't understand. He makes it discoverable so that we can understand it. He meets us where we are. Just like the video game, he goes, okay, you're having some trouble here. You can't beat this level. I'm going to give you some, I'm going to help you. I'm going to walk you through this because I'm with you. This is, this is the reality, and I need you to see it. We've talked about this several weeks ago, that, that um, Adam needed to see that woman was pulled from him. Woman was always in Adam from the beginning, but he needed to see it. He needed to know that he was, she was a part of him. So God demonstrates these things so that we can see things and understand them clearly because he loves us. He doesn't need to know it. He knows it already. This is, this is the last one, John 5.1. It says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish, fe- Jewish, fe- Jewish festivals. Jesus went up to the Jewish festival. Now, Sean Connery. All right, verse 2. Now, now there, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, <laughs> which in Aramaic, I can't talk today, is called Beth- Bethesda. Thank you. And which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, details that may have significance, but I don't know. Here, here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One who was there had been in, an invalid for 38 years when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. So he asked him, do you want to get well? <laughs> Sir, the invalid replied. In, thank you. <laughs> you were invalid. Thank you. Thank you, Mario. All right. You can help me. <laughs> I got to get past this. All right. Jesus said to him, get up. We'll, we'll just skip to the chase. Jesus said, get up to him, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. I can't get past that. It's invalid. The day, the day on which this took place was a Sabbath. Here we go again. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had, who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, oh. but he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it, uh, pick it up and walk? The man, the man who was healed and had no idea, if, no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus that had made him well. Um, yeah, verse 16. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. So there's two things happening. They're, they're upset with him because he is healing on the Sabbath, which is breaking their law, not God's law. They had created that law. Um, because they, they didn't want you to do anything. You can't walk a certain distance on the Sabbath. They're like, you can't do that. But also he's saying he was equal with God, that God was his father. So they're having an issue with both of those things. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Um, very truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son does also. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he, all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. 
And he says this also to them because he's talking to Jews, so he's saying it's not just for the Jews from the law. He gives life to, to anybody that he pleases. Verse 22, Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So they're attacking him for calling himself equal to God and calling himself the Son of the Father. And he, his response is <laughs> to continue to tell him that he's the Son of the Father. He doesn't back off from it at all. Here's where, here's where I want to hang out for a little bit. Verse 24. This is, this is, the, this is the, the main point of what I want to talk about. Verse 24 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Here's the three things. Whoever what? Hears my words, believes, has eternal life. Y'all hear that? Okay, we're going to keep going. He's continuing this thought. He hasn't changed his mind on anything. And will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Verse 25, very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice, hear my word, and the Son of God and those who hear this will live. So they will go from death to life. He's, he's saying the same thing again. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Verse 28, do not be amazed at this time, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice, hear his words, and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who, those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, just for I seek not to please myself but him who sent me. So look at this. I remember reading the whole thing about coming out of graves, especially verse 28, and imagining what do we normally we think like zombies, like people that are dead are going to come out of the grave and start walking around because that's what it sounds like here. But he hasn't changed his train of thought through the whole thing. Jesus constantly, especially with the disciples, disciples tried to show them spiritual truths, but all they could ever see was things in the physical and the natural realm. It's difficult for us even today, and they had him right in front of them, they still missed it, but for us today to not always see a physical manifestation of something going on to doubt things in the spirit. This is, this is where I find myself when I'm, when I'm hit with questions like my friend asked me about. I don't always have the explanation because in, in our physical realm now, I can't see everything that's happening. We get to peek inside through the Holy Spirit, and he shows us some spiritual truths and some things. But when, we, when things don't work out the way that we think that they should, we try to put... We, we almost try to put human characteristics on God instead of receiving God's characteristics on us. And so we can't, we, can't, we can't regulate God to, to our own understanding of him. It's the other way around. He shows us. And this is really hard for us, especially when we find ourselves in the midst of tragedy. And I don't say that lightly. Absolute tragedy. When he says right here, we go from death to life, he says it over and over again. You hear the word, you believe, and you pass from death to life. What is all of our, at the core of most of what we have as far as fear goes is what? Death, right? Nobody, nobody wants to die. Nobody wants to die. We weren't designed to die. That's why we don't want to die. When we receive eternal life, by definition, that is the most miraculous thing that could ever happen. Because by definition, eternal life has no beginning and no end, and all of us had a beginning that we know of. So when we receive eternal life, we don't put it off until we get to heaven. It's always past that ceiling tile because I always point that way. We always think that heaven is far away when the Bible tells us heaven was placed in our hearts like a seed. The kingdom was placed in our hearts. 
heaven was given to us when we received salvation. And the truth of that is it, it begins to manifest now. <laughs> when, we, when, we put off, when we put off the kingdom to a faraway place, we neglect all the things that God has died for us to have in this life now. But the, but the problem we run into is when things don't manifest in the way that we think they should because it looks different than the kingdom that we know that we serve, we don't know what to do with it. And that's where I find myself sometimes. I don't know what to do with that. And so what I see in this is the miraculous is not the healing. Healing is great, and we've, we've seen, you, you, we can go through the list, and I, I was talking to Brian this morning about it. I could go the rest of my life and not see a miracle, and that should be fine. I've seen firsthand three or four miracles, I know, at least in our church. We've seen the dead raised. We've seen uh, uh, terminal Parkinson's healed. And we've seen Delia Knox get up out of a wheelchair after 20, 23 years and walk. We've seen physical healing. There's absolutely no doubt we've seen it. I mean, you can't unring that bell. You can argue with me theologically, and I'll go, <laughs> like this guy, I don't know, but she wasn't walking for 20, that's a pretty good faker, 23 years in a wheelchair, and now she's walking. Argue. I don't know what to tell you. Same thing, same thing with this guy. I don't, I don't know how many times you want me to tell you. He spit, <laughs> he rubbed it in my eye, I washed in this pool, and I'm good. That's all I can tell you about it. This is, this is what's happened. Now, the, the, one of the verses that I went, and it was in John, I think I found it here. No, it was in Matthew, Matthew 9, 5. Um, we'll start at 3. At this time, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming, knowing their thoughts. Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? This is after he, he um, told this man his sins are forgiven. Verse 5, he says, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man, excuse me, has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he says, get up your mat, get up, take up, get up, take your mat and walk. So two things are happening here. He tells the man, I forgive your sins. Now, can they see that? Can these guys over there see that he forgave his sins? They can't really, there's no real test for that. There's no Lippmann's test that you can say, well, did, did he really forgive him? And so what Jesus does here is he demonstrates something in the natural to represent something in the spirit. And he says, okay, since you can't see that, I'm going to help you out. Get up, your, get, up, take a, get, get up, take your mat, and walk. You can see that. He's meeting, he's meeting them all where they are, and I've said this several times. Jesus loved the Pharisees, evidenced by meeting Nicodemus in a dark alley and talking to him, and evidenced by him saying, go read your Torah, and, and I tell you, you can go all the way back to the Old Testament when God was saying, I desire... Uh, mercy over sacrifice, meaning I desire you to care for people over the old sacrificial system. He's saying, I desire you to care about people and love people, not just go through the motions. It's not a behavioral thing, it's a heart thing. And so Jesus loved the disciples. He wanted them to see too. He's like, look, you guys don't believe that I can forgive sins. Guess what? I'm going I'm to tell him he's healed. Do you think I have authority now? If, if, I can, if I can do things in the physical, if I can have that kind of authority, then now you can trust that I have the authority in the spirit. Do you see what he's doing there? So when we take, we take this step back and look at the big picture, Jesus is healing on the Sabbath. He's, he's working. He's not talking about working and not working. He's just healing. He does what he does. He does what he sees the Father do. That's all he does. It's as simple as that. I do what the Father does. They try to back him in a corner. He's like, I don't know what to tell you. God tells me to do stuff. He's my dad. I'm his son, and I'm going to do it. You ask the blind guy, what about this? What about that? What about this detail? I don't understand this. Please explain this to me. And what's he say? I was blind. <laughs> And now I see. 
there is, there is, there is nothing that I could say or anybody else could say that could convince you of a, well, let me say it this way. Experiential, I don't know, I want to word this correctly because I don't want to sound too ridiculous. Because we all learn things in here. I'm not saying we're all ignorant and we just run around like goofballs and, and, and don't listen. But I think, I think that the greatest lack in, in the modern church is a lack of being led by the Holy Spirit. We, we understand Scripture and we can, we can read it back and forth, um, ex- except for invalid. We can read it back and forth <laughs> and, and, and understand the, the basics and all the you know, hermeneutics. We can figure all these things out. But until you experience a relationship with, with God through way of the Holy, by way of the Holy Spirit, you can't get it. Get someone who has never been married and try to explain to them what marriage is like. They can't understand that. They get up in the morning and they just leave. <laughs> they don't understand what it's like to have kids that you can't find their shoes and you don't know where their jacket is. And they don't, you can't. You don't understand about sacrificial love in marriage and then when you have kids, it quadruples sometimes. They don't understand that. You have to experience some of these things to really understand them. When I get in, and it's, it's healthy to get into some debates with people that don't believe, and I do it all the time. But be careful with it that you don't try to win an argument because that's not the goal. The goal is never to win an argument. The goal is to build a relationship because from that relationship, the Holy Spirit can begin to move in them and they, their lives can actually be changed from the inside out. When you begin to put outside constraint and regulations on people, you will kill them because you will beat them down with the law. And the law does nothing but condemn. It's all it can do. When you begin to build relationships with people, when something happens, you can actually be in the moment right there and they can experience it firsthand. It's an amazing thing. One 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 of the struggles was with that question that he asked me, if that doesn't move God, what will? And one of the things that I just, I've discussed with a few of you guys too, and I mentioned to Bill this morning and made sure it was okay that we kind of we go there if the Holy Spirit led us, and I really feel like this could help somebody. It's the only reason I'm going to say it. I, I preface this because I don't want you to, th- I definitely don't want you to think that I take light their situation to make a, a point in a sermon because that's not my goal at all, and Bill knows that too. But there is, there is absolutely nothing like experience to teach us. Nothing at all. And every time I looked at this, all I could think about was Bill. And so whether that's just me knowing Bill and we're good friends, or it's the Holy Spirit leading me to, to maybe help somebody else. And I hope that's what it is. And we have podcasts, and it may be somebody, maybe you guys in the room, maybe somebody else. But, but the answer, I think, is who are we to say that God didn't move? Just because it didn't look like we thought it should look. Now, I said in the beginning and several times through, we fear death because we don't fully understand it all the time and we see things in the physical realm. We don't always see them in the spiritual realm. Now, I'm going to try to get through this, no promises. But I remember having a prayer meeting up here and praying for Kathy. And many of you were here. And I was not okay with what happened. And none of you were either, I'm sure. And I remember being angry. And not understanding.
also remember hearing about Renee and, and what was going on with you guys. And I was angry. I wasn't happy. And I prayed. And I prayed hard. And many of you did too. And those two things didn't happen like the way that I, we wanted them to. But in the midst of, of tragedy, <clears throat> I've walked with Bill and we've talked and we've cried. And he shared with me many things. I'm not going to go into detail here, but of how he, thank you, <laughs> of how he, uh, how he prayed and I said, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to let her go, but I know I need a wife, and I know the kids need a mom, and, but I don't want to date, and I don't want to do all this stuff, and God, you're gonna, he's going to have to make it easy for me, and, and then he did, <laughs> and in January, they're getting married, and they're redeeming something, there's redemption there, but hear me out, it wasn't God's plan for the bad things to happen. That wasn't his plan. It wasn't because Bill sinned. It wasn't because Renee sinned. It wasn't anything that they did. But I know that when I was crying and praying, God was crying and praying with me. I have no doubt that he was moved by our prayers. No doubt. Because no loving God would not be moved by our prayers. He didn't move in the way that we wanted him to move. No doubt. But we know that we don't live in a perfect world. And if you think, if you think good can't come from tragedy, there's one perfect good example. Two, our friend who lost their kid, the kid that hit him in a car was less than 16 years old. They were on an ATV. Tracy met with our friends and I was, I think I had kidney stones or something. She met with them to hang out with them and talk to them, and they told them that uh, the little boy that passed away, his dad and his mom passed this kid walking. They live in the same neighborhood, so he passed him walking down the street, and his dad pulled the truck over, went and met this kid, gave him a hug, and prayed for him. This is a kid that hit his kid and killed him. And who knows what that kid, that other, that 16-year-old was going through, who knows if he has a father figure in his life. Number three, I wouldn't be here right now if my friend Jarrett wasn't walking through the break room, face red from crying all day, from losing basically his mother figure in his life when she passed away. And we pass in the break room and I'm at work, completely lost, you know, don't believe in God and, and just angry at the world like I, like I always was, pass this guy and I'm just concerned for him like, hey man, you okay? And you can visibly see he's not okay at all. And he smiles and said, yeah, man, God is good. He is so good. And walks past me. And I didn't know it then, but that I was seeing Christ in him, and I was drawn to it. I didn't understand it, and I was broken in that moment. I walked out of that break room, went out to my truck, and just cried because I didn't understand that kind of love. I, what do you mean God's good? You just lost someone you love. How can you... 
that doesn't make sense to me. And Jarrett's the one that led me to the Lord. I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for a tragedy. So I think we need to gain a perspective on what God moving looks like. It's not always the way that we think that it should. Because there are things going on in the spirit that we can't always see in the physical. I believe just like the old covenant was a type and shadow of of everything that was to come in Christ, we are living in a, in a broken world in temporary bodies. And so all, these, all the things that we see manifest as far as physical healing is just a type and a shadow because no matter how much any of us are physically healed, we're all going to have a physical death at some point. Statistically, one out of every one person is going to die. Sorry, it's not my fault. Statistically, it's going to happen. But the key here is that we don't really die. We just change zip codes. You live. The greatest miracle we'll ever see is that Christ died and, and paid for our sins so that we could have eternal life now and forever. And so when Christ came, he gave us life and life more abundantly. Not life and then life more abundantly later on when you die and go to heaven. So even in the midst of tragedy, we can have abundant life. It doesn't mean we don't hurt. It doesn't mean we don't cry, obviously. It doesn't mean we don't care, we don't petition, and we don't cry out to God. We do. And I do believe that even though the tragedies were going on, when we cried out to God, he began to put things in place to work it out. He said, man, I don't want this to happen, but I can see this is the way it's going. And I'm going to move in a different way than they think, but I'm going to go ahead and move. And so he began to put things in place. The same thing with me and Jarrett. What was the timing that we had to walk past each other in a break room and see What is the timing that that guy had to see that kid walking down the road? We have to open our eyes to see things in the spirit, not just in the physical realm. This is how we love people. People are hard to love. Trust me. Christmas just came around. Relatives, people are hard to love. (laughs) Not all of them. Y'all are easy to love. I'm just saying in general. Um, People are hard to love sometimes. I mean, everybody has, has uh, you make me feel bad. I'm not talking about y'all. That's invalid. <laughs> We're going to take that off. We're going to edit this. Andrew, you got to edit all this ridiculousness. All right. No, don't edit it. People need to hear it. All right. Um, but by way of the Holy Spirit, we can love people unconditionally. I didn't, know what, I didn't know what unconditional love was. I knew what conditional love was. I do for you, you do for me. Unconditional love is supernatural. And it takes that kind of supernatural love, it takes God to give it to us so that we can even return it to him. Because even in the conditions that we find ourselves in that we're not okay with, we still love him. And I talked to Bill about it too, and he's like, I know he's good, and I don't know what someone who didn't, didn't understand and believe in God would do in a situation that I was in. I don't know what they would do. Where's your hope? All right. There's lots of questions we could have, but I want to just kind of open up. We've got a, about 10 minutes. Um, oh, do we have a mic? Our mic's dead. Can you see if you can find some batteries? Oh, it's just muted? Okay. Um, we, we have a mic just so people can hear on the podcast uh, as we have discussion. So any of you have anything to add or, or questions or anything? Andrew will grab a mic. Don't be shy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Since I'm holding the mic in my hand? No, you can't. Yes, of course you can. <laughs> we, we did have this conversation on the couch a couple of weeks ago, and the thing that keeps coming back, the, the anchor that you touched on was, um, you know, like Psalm 100, the Lord is good, his love endures forever. So there's some unshakable truths that you've got. The other one is Romans 8:28. all things work together for good. When you, when you have God's perspective and see the big picture, um, you know what you're doing because you're God. And we don't always know. Some, some of this walk that we're in is mystery. You know, God does stuff that we won't know until we get to heaven. We've seen some healed, some, some amazing healings, and some not. But the one thing that's unchanging is the Lord is good. Yeah. His love endures forever. So. And we, <clears throat> we get focused on the small things, just like the Pharisees were focused on the Sabbath, the Sabbath, the Sabbath, the Sabbath, and Jesus was right in front of them. He was like, what are you talking about? I'm right here in front of you. You're focused on the wrong things. You're looking at things small. You're not looking at the bigger picture. Chris? Yeah, I don't remember if it was last week or the week before, but uh, you were talking about how uh, somewhere, and I didn't catch the verse because I probably wasn't paying too much attention, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> your ways are not my ways and yeah. your thoughts are not my thoughts. And specifically, I was thinking about healing earlier this week, how when I was a teenager and I saw all these healings, but then I also saw so many people not healed. And that was a huge blow to, I guess, my faith in the term of legalism. I had no idea why this was allowed. Maybe they didn't pray hard enough. Right. And just when you said that, it really started reaching onto me about how healing, healing doesn't matter if you're an actual Christian, if you believe in Jesus, because your joy is placed through him, not in the fact that maybe you can walk Right. And so on and so forth. So really healing, I feel like, or what I heard, was more of a gift from God so that others may see him more clearly. Yeah. So if your healing isn't going to impact anybody or anybody isn't going to notice it, then God really has no obligation you know, other than just find your joy through him. Yeah. So that's, what I would, that's what I got. Yeah. Oh, and uh, I wanted to know where that verse was from. Which one? Your thoughts are my... Oh, I have to go back and find it. I can't... Not off the top of my head. <laughs> so I Googled it. I'll find, I'll find it for you and send it to you. <laughs> Is there Cecily? Um, growing up in my family, you had to grow up in tragedy, basically. Like, we were... The other day, we were sitting at the table just talking about that in general that um, my brother's married, he's been married about two years, and his wife came in, she didn't experience a death until two years ago. But I didn't realize how weird it was to go basically to funerals almost every year in my family, which is really crazy. But I grew up an emotional child, and I, because of those things, I had to question, like, is it because of me? Is it because we're cursed, or because I'm emotional, or... Um, do I not feel God because of these things? Like, I had to really question that. I questioned in my own faith, like, if I don't feel God, is he really there? And probably, I don't know, maybe nine months ago, it was, it was pretty recent. I was in the car with a friend, an older friend, and she's a really good mentor to me. She goes, um, you know, you just had to come to the point that you realize that God's just no matter how you feel. And that blew my mind because I never experienced that. I never thought, no matter how I feel, God's the same. And I learned that recently, like in death and in tragedy, that God is so faithful no matter what. Even if you don't feel it, because we're humans, you change, you yeah. develop. You're never going to be the same, but God always is the same. And right. 
going through this right now, but my aunt has cancer, we found out that it's in her spine. And it's, you don't know when it comes to that, when it's in your spine, when it's in your bones, you can't remove bones. Yeah. And um, I did talk to a few people in the church the other night, and I just, the one thing I said is that God's good. No matter what, God is so yeah. good. Yeah. And you have to believe that. Because if you don't, you're not going to get through it. Yeah. So God's so faithful. That's good. And it, it doesn't make it any harder on us sometimes because he never promised, to, promised us that this life would be easy. He, in fact, he said it's going to be hard. You're going to go through some bad things, but he's always going to be with you. That's why I love when he talks about his rod and his staff comforts us. It's when we walk through the valley of the shadow. He didn't lead us there. He leads us to green pastures. But when we mess up and we go into the valley, he has a rod and a staff not to beat us over the head with it, but to walk with us and protect us in the midst of it, even when we mess up. That's what's amazing is, is we, we, I think it's, uh, some of it has to do with our culture, and we're just so negative with the news and a lot of things like that is, we focus on all the negative things, we don't see all the good things. We miss all the times when God is, is absolutely blessing us and, and treating us very well, and then one bad thing happens and we just want to give up on him. And he's like, I've been with you this whole time. And we've seen all these great things, and then one bad thing happens and, and, you, and you just want to quit. And the default, the same way it was with them, is, and like you were saying, is it my fault? Did I sin? Did I do something wrong? When you're outside of, you, you, and we've said it before, you can't be a part of a covenant that wasn't meant for you anyway. <laughs> so there's no old covenant because Jesus came and fulfilled it. Now we have a new covenant. We can't go back to a blessings and cursings covenant because it doesn't exist. And even if it did, most of us in here are Gentiles, if not all of us. It wasn't even meant for us. So now all we have is the hope in Christ, and that's it. So we either accept that, and that comes with all of it, or we don't. There is no try. <laughs> it's either do. <laughs> There is no try. You either do or you don't. And I had this discussion the other day with a friend, and he was like, well, we have to, because we were talking about love, we have to try to love people. It's hard to love people sometimes, but I said, there is no try. You do or do not. <laughs> because either you love from your heart. If you're trying to love, you're not loving, right? If you're trying to love, you're doing something that's not natural to you. But if you don't love someone and you go back to your heart, why don't I love this person? Father, give me the love that I can give this person. Then you're going to the source, which is the vine that you're supposed to be attached to. And now you can give unconditional love and you don't expect anything from it. Amen. That's, love isn't a feeling. We've been lied to for so long. It's so frustrating to me. Love is not come and go fleeting feeling. I was always taught your brain is your logic and your heart is your, your feelings and emotions. And that's not true. Scripture constantly tells us, I've placed my word in your heart. I've come, I've come and given you a new heart. Our redemption and our lives in Christ, our hardware is in our heart, and our minds are being renewed. We've been thinking at it, about it backwards. He's given us this truth in our hearts, and we renew our minds to his truth, not reactive to everybody else, or even our own actions, for that matter. We receive the truth that he gives us in here, the hardware, and we update our software constantly. It's, it's a renewing of the mind. That's why we renew our minds. I don't know. It's, it's, it, the whole try thing... You can't, you can't try to love people. You either love them or you don't. And if you don't, you have to find out why and get to the heart of it. Because if you just modify the, the feeling or the way that you love them, then you're just going through the motions. That whole witnessing thing, we're trying to get all these people saved. If you don't care about these people, you're just trying to check off a list. The cool thing, God will meet them there anyway because he's so gracious. Anyway, I'm sorry, I'm rambling. Anybody else? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's Chuck. It's Chuck. Yes, From the sky. Skybox. Uh, if you think about it, remember in Acts when Peter and John are walking by and a man said, and it talks about a man who was lame. Now he was lame for a very long time. He was there, it says that he was there every day. 
point, you know, it must be in his mind, like, why can't I get healed? Why am I not the one being healed? But it just wasn't the, the time. And time's another, another constraint that we have. We don't see, we pray and we expect it to happen right away. And sometimes it does. But then we pray and it may happen five years from then and be much better than you expected in the moment. We have a, we're limited by time, but he's not. He sees it and he can, he's outside of time and space. He sees, he, he's, the Bible tells us he knows our end from our beginning. He knows all of it, all together. And so he can work all these things out. So. Yeah, one thing from my background I want to share also is uh, we, we've been involved in some, in some seasons of our life where, where we were told that if you, if you pray a certain way, you know, there's, there's like this skill set for getting people healed. And uh, we've got to remember God's the healer. It's not us. It's like, yeah, did you see, I prayed for that guy. He got healed. And there's an arrogance that comes on some people yeah. sometimes, but that's a character flaw. But we need, to, we, we need to remember that trusting God, loving God, asking, and that's fine, but God's the healer. And it's not like we have to work up a special incantation. I'm reminded of the prophets of Baal who circled the altar and cut themselves and threw water everywhere and whatever they did. And, and God responded to the, the, the prophet Isaiah, I mean, uh, Elijah that was standing there, and he knew that he was a servant of God. He said, God, just show them that you're God and I'm your servant. And boom. You know, it's not, it's not the, a dance step that you have to learn. It's trusting God. And I, I'm also reminded of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they're like, yeah. we'll go into the fire, and if he kills us, that's it. And if not, that's fine. And he was right there with them. Yeah. Yeah, we went to, uh, you may have been there. We went to a Jesus culture. Um, Chicago? No. Was, no, actually, it was just like like a few people from this church went. It wasn't Dallas. It was another one. Yeah, I forget. But um, they had these breakout sessions that were like two hours long, kind of in the middle. And so we went to one on healing. And so uh, they're about... You know, maybe 300 people in there, and the guy came up and he's like, um, "So we've got two hours, but I'm not really going to waste your time. Uh, all you really need to know is uh, God heals people because He's good and He can." So, is there anybody here that's sick? <laughs> um, and so, like about 100 people raised their hand, and he's like, "Okay, you guys just go pray for them and just, you know, just, just, you know, don't, don't ask, you know, just declare, you know, the yeah. love of God." I'm like, "Everybody got healed." Like, and that that just that stuck with me. Uh, you know, God heals, God heals people because he's good and because he can. And like, there's no, you know, we overcomplicate. He's like, he's like, I could, I could tell you, you know, about, you know, your faith was their faith and, you know, the prayer faith and why some people get, you know, but there's, there's really only two things you need to know, you know, and, and, you know, you always go back to, you know, God is good. And that's what I love about him. Just simplifying everything. We really overcomplicate a simple message. We really are genuinely to love people. And if we don't, we need to find out why And we love God. And if we don't, we need to find out why. Not try real hard to love God and try real hard to love people. It's, we, and it's not, once again, it's not a feeling. We receive unconditional love from the Father and we share that unconditional love with other people. And that's the most supernatural thing there is. And when we talk about healing, grace puts us in a peculiar position. I keep saying that because it, <clears throat> most people's fear of grace is that it'll, it'll create apathy and, and lazy, laziness. But grace puts you in a position where you can actually do things because now you're not focused on yourself all the time and trying to fix all of your issues because God's already done it. Now you can genuinely help people and love people and share the grace that God's given you because you're not always focused on your behavior all the time. Now you're busy doing God's work and your behavior takes care of itself because he's done everything for you. And so when the miraculous happens, all it is is sharing that, that same love that he's given you and then things happen. And they happen and then they don't happen. And you go, okay, that was on God. It's not on me. It takes the responsibility off of you as far as making things happen. 
Dawn? Hey there. I've hey. been back there going, oh, I don't really want to talk, Lord. Please don't make me do <laughs> I do it all. I do it every Sunday. <laughs> I'm kidding. All right. Um, so for those of you who don't know me, <laughs> my husband's the one that they talked about that was, came back from the dead. Okay? Um, it was 10 years ago now. Wow. Um, we had planted a church over on the eastern shore. I'll try to keep this short. No, you're fine. Um, Seats are comfortable for July five more minutes. of 2017. In September, my husband was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And he went through chemo and radiation, um, had the worst of everything that could be involved with that. Third degree radiation burns, he was allergic to every drug he was given. Finished the chemo and radiation, and a week later, he was dehydrated, ended up in the hospital, came home that next day, and the morning after, I went to wake him up and found him not breathing in bed. And had to do CPR. Um, the paramedics came, you know, when the neighbor said, is he gonna be okay? They shook, his head, shook their head and said no. Got him to the hospital, they put him on a vent. Um, told us he had no blood pressure, no pulse, what did we want to do? And they brought me, D were bringing me DNR papers when he woke up. Now, anybody who's walked through this with me has known that the story doesn't end there. Everybody looks at that and goes, wow, that was an awesome miracle, God is amazing. But then the people who have walked through it said, but it wasn't complete, what's going on? My husband lost all memories from the three years before the incident. And every day he walks today, he has a three-day memory. So if he meets you today, three days from now, he won't remember you. Every time he goes out with my kids and they have an experience, he doesn't remember it. When you sit, think about the spouse you're sitting next to, in retirement, you're going to sit on that front porch swing. What do you have is your collection of memories together. We don't have any of that. I had friends who walked through me as I've struggled with this and gone, what's wrong? What's God not done? There's not enough healing. You're not claiming enough healing. This is you. You guys need to step up. You need to claim your full healing. But guess what? Every day we have is our miracle. Yeah. Every single person we get to witness to and we get to help is our miracle. Amen. Amen. Every struggle my children have been through because of this is making them the person they are today Amen. and the person that they can serve God for. Okay? Amen. They've got a testimony. They've got something that they can share and they can help somebody else who's struggling as long as they put their faith in God. And we've walked it out. We haven't done anything wrong. We haven't not claimed, named it, claimed it, <laughs> gotten it. We have today. He's here. Yeah. And he's helped so many people. Amen. Yes, he has. And some people have claimed this is stinking thinking. But let me tell you, one of the things my husband and I prayed for for years was that, one, he could do full-time ministry. And two, that when he did ministry, he didn't become so emotionally involved with people that he couldn't function. 
Yes, yeah. because he loves people so much that he becomes so involved that he couldn't function and he couldn't let it go. Now, do I say that God killed him so that he could do this? Okay. But God has blessed us with him being able to serve full time in ministry. Yeah. And he's blessed us with Lonnie doesn't get all that emotional. <laughs> he'll forget you next week. Okay? He still loves you, but he'll forget you next week. <laughs> but, but please, guys, don't get so wrapped up in what should have been or what should be. Right. I still have friends 10 years later going, man, this just sucks for you. But in some days, yes. I got to admit, someday. <laughs> I'll go, yeah, this really sucks. Okay? But guys, use every day and every moment just knowing that we're not God. Yeah. And we may not have the answers, but every day is a gift. And every day and everything that we walk through, there's a tomorrow. And there's a plan that he has for us in that, in that moment. Yeah. yeah. So. Thank you. And I tell you, our first, our, I know we need to go, but our first experience with uh, coming to this church when Mark was the pastor and we were all the way on Government Boulevard, we came one Sunday. The next Sunday they had something called Servapalooza. And, and I had in my heart... Um, the church we were going to, we go to Sundays and Wednesdays, and I'd just gotten saved, and I was reading all this stuff, and I wanted to do this stuff. And I was like, why don't we do the stuff? We, we just talk about it all the time. I want to do more out. I didn't know what it was called, outreaches or whatever. And so I, Bill Starling again, ran into him sitting Indian style in the middle of the road taking pictures, and he was a photographer. And we talked, and he told, he told me about uh, Deeper Life at the time. And I said, that sounds like what I, I, I feel like the Holy Spirit is leading me to get outside the doors of the church to reach people. But I didn't know what that looked like. I, had, I didn't know if I needed to go pray for people or give things away. I just knew that I needed to get outside of the doors of the church. Um, and Bill told me about Deeper Life. One Sunday, I think it was the next Sunday or maybe two after that, um, they had something they called Servapalooza. And it was north, south, east, west, mobile. And we split up into teams and just gave things away and prayed for people. It was real simple, real basic stuff. Um, but it was great because we were outside the door. So you'd run into people and you'd say, how can I pray for you? And they'd say, get out of my face. Hey, how can I pray for you? My leg hurts. My head hurts. How can I pray for you? And the next person, their whole life's falling apart. You spend two hours with them and you, you care for them. We went, um, downtown and I had never, um, I, I get, I can't, we had come from poverty. So I felt like I'd come out of that. And so, um, going down there and seeing homeless people, it broke my heart and it, it sounds odd, but I, I wasn't a hugger. <laughs> at all, and that was the first time I'd ever hugged a homeless person and prayed for them and, ca and genuinely cared for someone, not just to check off a list and say I witnessed to this guy in Walmart or did this, but I, I cared for another human being, and I prayed for them, and Lonnie was there that day, and I, I saw Lonnie do it, and it, it changed the way that I saw things, and Lonnie, just, just like you said, uh, he genuinely just loves people and just cares for people deeply. And, I, and that was a demonstration that I saw that changed the way that I, that I would do things. And so, I mean, it's crazy how this happens. We, we begin, and some of you guys, as you know, we've talked about, and, and even with the gospel life and us and getting to know each other, and it's crazy how this stuff kind of intertwines and we come together and we begin to see each other's stories and each other's lives, and it changes our perspective on things because it's the relationships that we have that we build that gives us a right perspective of how God is. Because I wouldn't see it the same way if it wasn't for Bill and it wasn't for Andrew and it wasn't for everybody in here and Ben and, I mean, everybody. I mean, it, 
it, it, it is different when you experience it than just learning it on paper or me just saying it to you. It's different. So we'll, we'll stand up and pray and let you guys go. We're a little bit over, but it was worth it, right? <laughs> um, Father, we just thank you for this day, Lord. We, uh, even if it's cold and rainy, Father, we thank you for a roof and a heater. <laughs> and uh, we just thank you that you bless us. You continually bless us, even when we don't deserve it and we don't say the right prayers and we even can't even say invalid sometimes. But, Lord, we just, uh, <laughs> we just love you and we praise you in, in the midst of our lives and thank you for meeting us right where we are. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen.